Although we like to say we are not defined by our past, there are moments that can happen in our lives that shape us into the people we are today, for better or for worse. And the latter is true for the man in today's episode. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. <laughs> yes, and that includes sound effects. Just a word of warning, today's episode might include some content that is not appropriate for younger listeners. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a man whose childhood trauma evolved into bitter rage. We'll see how a moment hardened his heart on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Let's get to it, folks. The story of Bill Reeser. Bill, I've been standing outside the door now for more than 15 minutes, and I could hardly believe my ears. What's that, honey? You're having an affair. I heard all that you said to her. Now, you misunderstood my conversation, Carolyn. Bill, I am not crazy. You're my husband, and I know you. <sighs> all right. Yes, it's true, Carolyn. And I'm glad I don't have to hide it anymore. She isn't the only one, either. There was one in New York. You were unfaithful up there, too? That's why I was so glad to move down here. I wanted out, Carolyn. But I didn't know how to stop. I thought moving down here would be the end of affairs with other women. But it wasn't. No. How could you do something like this? I trust in you. I'm sorry, Carolyn. Sorry isn't enough. We're finished, Bill. Our marriage is over. Growing up in New York City's East Harlem was hard enough for the Italian man in our story. Not having a dad made life even more difficult. He was prey to every kind of opportunist and predator. Parental guidance is suggested due to some of the subject matters contained in this true testimony of Bill Reeser, right now on Unshackled. Dad left a year after I was born, leaving Mom to raise my two sisters and me. She was a full-blooded Italian, and we lived among her people in New York City. Because Dad wasn't a full-blood Italian, I was picked on by the other kids, so I grew up fighting for survival. I had no one to help me. One day when I was 12, a man in the mafia held a knife to my throat and molested me. Then he bragged about it in the neighborhood. I was devastated. Later that year, a killer named Johnny approached me. Hey, Billy, I got a job for you. What's that, Johnny? You take this $100 bill and go to that building over there, see? Yeah. And inside are two guys. They're gonna give you a package, okay? They're gonna give you some change, too, understand? Be sure you get the change. Yeah, sure, Johnny, I, I can do that. Good. Take care of it, kid. Nobody argued with Johnny. We'd seen him kill people. We'd seen the dead bodies. So I did what he said. It was a drug deal, but I didn't know at the time. A week later, he told me to do it again and gave me another $100 bill. 
When I handed the guys the money, they saw that it was counterfeit and they pointed guns at me, one at my head, the other at my heart. But the guns didn't fire. You little punk, trying to con us? Hey, Johnny sent me in here and if I don't go back out, he's gonna come looking for me. If you guys do anything to me, he's gonna come looking for you. Fear of Johnny was so great that they let me walk out of there with the drugs and with the change from the phony $100 bill. I decided I would never deal drugs again, but how to tell Johnny? All the anger from all the abuse over the years welled to the surface as I got right up into his face. You got the package? Yeah. But those guys are on to us. And I almost got killed in there. I don't care if you kill me now. I am never gonna do another drug deal for you ever again. All right. From that point on, I dealt with difficulty by tapping into the reservoir of rage within me. I would beat the living daylights out of anyone who crossed me. I played basketball with the same attitude. I could do a standing jump 44 inches and look down on the rim tomahawking that basketball. People were astounded. <laughs> I was astounded. I earned a reputation in high school. I was the man. A legend in New York City. Even with my own brother-in-law. Hey, Billy, I seen you play the other night. Man, you whacked that team. Yeah, good game, huh? You have a gift, man. A real talent for basketball. The coach has been saying the same thing. I'm gonna for sure play in the NBA. I hear you can even walk on the west side of Harlem. Yeah. Everybody knows my reputation with the hoops. So what college you going to, kid? Make sure it's top rated. Every Division I school in the country is after me. So I'm picking the one that made the best offer. Coach wants me to go to one in Louisiana. Oh, they greased his palm. You can bet on it. They're greasing mine, too. And I can use the money. I'm sick of being poor. I was already a big drinker when I got to college in Louisiana. And by then, I had used every drug on the streets except heroin. I didn't use smack because I was afraid of needles. But my drinking and womanizing were out of control in college. Nothing could fill the black hole in my heart, but I tried. Sophomore year, a week before the basketball season started, I fell and busted my knee. They tried putting me back in the lineup in January, but I wasn't healthy, so I left and went back to New York City. My brother-in-law always showed an interest in me. You going back? Nah, they pushed me too hard. My knee wasn't ready to play. So what are you gonna do, Billy? I got an agent now, and he wants me to go to a college in Eastern Kentucky. Kentucky? <laughs> What's with the South? It's a Division I school, and they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So what's the deal? Full scholarship, but I sit out this year till my knee heals. Then play two years and make it to the NBA. Basketball was my life, but history repeats itself unless we learn from our mistakes. And I didn't. More drinking, more womanizing. I was hurt a week before both seasons and didn't play much. My bad attitude put me at odds with the coach, so my basketball career fell apart in college. But that university is where I met Carolyn. She was everything I wasn't, pure and wholesome. You sure you don't want to go get a drink somewhere? <laughs> no, Bill, I told you I don't drink. 
I don't know what it is with you. I've always dated party girls. <laughs> well, that's not me. Yeah, I know, but I can't stay away from you. I think I'm in love. <laughs> I'll bet you say that to all the girls. No, I don't. Never have. But I must be in love with you because I don't want to be with anyone else, and I don't want you dating anyone else either. Is that okay? By the time we graduated from the university, we knew we wanted to get married and go to New York. But there was a hitch. We have to get married right here. <laughs> You're kidding. No, I'm not. My family can't go to New York. Besides, most folks have the wedding in the bride's hometown. Oh, I hope you're prepared to meet my family. They're wild Italians. Well, my kinfolk are Hatfields. You've heard of the Hatfields and McCoys? You mean the ones with the big feud and gunfights and all? The same. My grandmother's an original Hatfield. Oh, 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 wait till my family hears about this. You want to call off the wedding? No way. Besides, my family's not your typical Italian family. I have an aunt that's a kleptomaniac. She's in a wheelchair, and it's a perfect cover. She once stole a turkey right off the buffet table. <laughs> You'll have me beat, Bill. Do you want to call off the wedding? No, honey. I love you. Just wanted you to know what you're in for. Wait till you meet my kinfolk. <laughs> my whole family came to the wedding held in a little country church. They had never been to rural Kentucky before. Comb in one hand, cigarette in the other, my brother-in-law joined me 15 minutes before the ceremony, just before the preacher came in to give me premarital counseling. This is unbelievable, Billy. Mayberry RFD. I'm gonna start calling you Jethro. <laughs> oh, hey, you the preacher? How you doing? Glad to meet you. He's the groom. You know, boy, uh, the last wedding I'd done was this cousin of mine. And I said, you can crawl out that window right now and run down that road, boy. But if I shut that window, you're going to go in there and marry that girl till death and death alone do you part. You understand me, boy? <laughs> hey, you guys got to come in here and see what this preacher's telling Billy. <laughs> so we married and moved to New York City where I worked. And I gave it my best shot at being a good husband, but I didn't know what it meant to have a covenant marriage. I certainly had never seen it. After two years and the birth of our daughter, I picked up a basketball again, and soon I was playing in pro tournaments. A friend used to come by and watch me play, and one night a guy got into a fight with him. So I settled it the way I always did, by jumping on the guy. At the end of the night, that guy set a crew to shoot me down. I knew they were behind me, but no shots were fired, and I got home safely. Oh, Bill, you're home safe. I don't know what came over me, but I felt that I needed to pray for your protection, and I've been praying for you tonight. Even though I knew death had been stalking me, her words went in one ear and out the other. In the morning, I would learn how close I had come to dying. Folks, we'll get back to Bill's story in just a moment, but first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. 
When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the true story of Bill Reeser. Hello. Bill Reeser? Yeah? Who's this? Detective with the police department. Did you play pro basketball last night at the local arena? Sure did. One, two. Your friend Jimmy was shot five times after the game. What? Five times? Is he alive? Yeah. He told us some guy fought with him at the game, and you threw the man off. Yeah, I, I knew something wasn't right about that guy. I noticed him right away, and I think he had some goons follow me after the game. Can you come down to the station and look at some mug shots? I'll be right there. I picked the guy out of the mug shots, and they arrested him that week. He confessed to everything, even sending the five guys that came after me. I continued playing pro tournaments for a year until I suffered a back injury. The doctor told me I could never play basketball again, a blow that turned me all the more to drugs and alcohol. Bill, do you have to drink so much? What do you expect, huh? I can't shoot baskets anymore. Self-pity doesn't help. <laughs> you tell me what does, Miss Know-it-all. Hey! You have a daughter to think about. A family. My drinking doesn't hurt her. You're the one that upsets things. Always going on about my drinking. Well, get used to it. I'm not about to quit. Why do you have to be so mean? Oh, if you're going to start crying, I am out of here. I thought when you stopped playing basketball, you'd stay home more. You're probably glad I hurt my back. You were probably hoping I couldn't play in the NBA. Some wife you are. Thanks a lot. I'm going out. Bill... Blaming her, I hung out with others, including another woman. My drug use escalated, my morals plummeted, and soon I had an affair. I wanted to break it off, but I didn't know how. If my wife discovered it, she might have a nervous breakdown or kill herself. So I lived a double life pretending to be a good husband, but I knew that one day it would end. Bill, I want to move back to Kentucky. Kentucky? Why? I've had enough of New York City. I don't want Kristen to grow up here. I want to raise her in Kentucky where the lifestyle is a slower pace. Well, all right. Whatever you say. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I expected you to put up a fight. Nope. I'll find a job there. Might be a good thing to move. This was my chance to break off my affair and maybe even stop using drugs and alcohol. 
I figured I could start over again. But the new location had the same old me with the same old habits. In Lexington, I found new girls to run around with and my life degenerated even faster. Meanwhile, Carolyn found peace and shared it with me. I found a great church, Bill. I love going there and so does Kristen. Good for you. Why don't you go with us on Sunday? Oh, you go for both of us. Come on, honey. You'll like the preacher. He's funny, but he teaches the Bible. I just love his sermons. <laughs> You're weird. Why? Nobody loves sermons. You do if you love Jesus. That's weird, too. Why? How can you love a man who was crucified 2,000 years ago? Bill, he rose from the dead, and he's alive forever. I feel Jesus' presence because God's Spirit lives in me. Well... Honey, Jesus loves you. When are you going to realize that? I had no idea she was asking people at church to pray for me, and she had no idea what I was doing. So hundreds of people were praying for me, and our marriage became so turbulent, I went to visit a friend in Louisville. I don't get it, Bill. You and Carolyn seem to be made for each other. That was before we got married. She's not the same. All she wants to do is go to church. You try going with her? Oh, <laughs> forget it. All she talks about is the pastor. He walks on water or something. Nah. That was Jesus. Oh, you're as bad as she is. Always talking about Jesus. You have an attitude, Bill. Well, you would too if you were me. I can't play basketball. My back is bad. So is my marriage. I'm beginning to hate the day I was born. You sound like Job. Who's Job? You never heard of the book of Job? You ought to read it. So how was Job? Fine. Uh, he told me I should read the book of Job. Would you go out and buy me that book? The book of Job? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you knucklehead. That's a book in the Bible. What did I know? Nothing. I sure didn't know that my sin would find me out. When Carolyn walked in on me and learned of this affair, I told her everything. She was so devastated that I knew our marriage was finished. There could be no reconciliation. I had always realized that one day our marriage would end and I thought I'd be glad, but I was wrong. This was worse than I could ever imagine. For two weeks, our only conversations consisted of yelling and spewing out bitter words. We were civil when we agreed on meetings to discuss the details of our divorce. I even agreed to counseling, but I was full of myself and justified my lifestyle, so it didn't help. The church continued to pray, and Carolyn did a real smart thing. She talked with her pastor. You're sure? He confessed to it, and to others too. Well, God does allow divorce when there's infidelity, but you don't have to divorce him. Forgiveness is an alternative. I feel shattered i trusted him so completely i loved him so much pastor jesus loves him more let me pray for you carolyn thank you pastor dear lord you created marriage and the family for your glory and you hate divorce carolyn is hurting father only you can work in this painful situation 
Lord, give her a peace that passeth all understanding now and in the days ahead. Show her what you want and that which will bring you glory. I ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I learned later that while driving home, the Holy Spirit of God filled Carolyn with peace. When she got home that night and walked through the door, she stood tall and even had a little smile on her face. I knew something had changed her, but I didn't know what to expect. Bill, God has spoken to my heart, and now I know what I should do. Okay. God would never give up on you, and I'm not going to give up on you either. God can forgive you for anything you've done, and so can I. I don't know if I can ever forget some of the things you did, but I'm willing to give it a try if you're willing to give your life to Jesus Christ. I don't know how to explain it, but as Carolyn spoke to me, I realized that it was really God calling me to salvation. I had ignored all the attempts before, but now my whole miserable life passed through my memory and I realized that God had protected me all those years and that he did love me. In humility and repentance, I committed my life to Jesus. God, I want you to take my life. I'll do anything you want me to do from now on just as long as I know it's you. Okay, Carolyn. I'll give my life to Jesus Christ. I just don't know what all I need to do, but I'm willing to learn. Thank you, Jesus. Bill, I've been praying for a long time that you give your life to him. Who would have thought that the answer to my prayers would come this way? One of her many prayers was that godly men would surround me and help me grow in Christ. Months earlier, men from the church had invited me to play golf, and now these same men were used by God to help me grow in faith. I got into a Tuesday morning prayer group with them, so I started reading the Bible, but I still drank hard, and Carolyn just prayed and waited for God to help me change. After one night of drinking, I wound up in the hospital. The news was bad, and I shared it with the pastor and that group of men. The pain was so bad, I thought I was having a heart attack. But the doctor said it's not my heart, it's my liver. Oh, man. Blood work showed I have hepatitis. I may have the AIDS virus as well. What? Well, the Lord can heal you, Bill. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. I'm pretty worried. How soon will they know? A week. They, they did more blood work. Nothing is too hard for God. Come on, guys, let's pray for Bill. Having those men in my life made all the difference. They locked arms and hearts to help me face whatever lay ahead. My wife was equally supportive, taking my hand as we returned to the doctor to get the results. I didn't have AIDS and I didn't even have hepatitis. But my liver was abused by alcohol, so I cannot ever drink again. I don't want to either. The Lord has set me free in a special way. Then I went to my first big men's gathering and the speaker's challenge hit home. 
Men, you who know Jesus Christ as Savior know that Jesus set you free. Scripture says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. So what does that mean? It means that you were saved by grace, and it is God's grace, his undeserved favor that keeps you from sin and helps you follow Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 promise, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Start walking! Follow Jesus! He set you free, gentlemen, and if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. But you can't follow Christ if you hold bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Man, if there's anyone here today that's bitter towards someone that's done you harm, God wants you to know that he wants to use you and he wants to give you peace. But he can't use you until you forgive that person. Immediately, I thought of the gangster who molested me when I was 12. I had always wanted him dead, but that day I spoke to the Lord. Lord, the same salvation you've shown me. I want my offender to see and to come to you as I have. I don't want to see him dead, Lord. I want to see him in heaven. Then I can give him a big hug. All the bitterness and rage in my soul melted away as I prayed for that man and God's peace flooded my soul in a special way. A year later we visited New York to see family and friends and we went to a big church in Midtown Manhattan. Big crowd. Carolyn, it's so special to be in a church in my old neighborhood. I feel like I've just been embraced by God. This is like a homecoming or something. That's wonderful, Bill. I never had a father to hug me growing up. Now, I have a heavenly father. It took a long time for me to realize that he was there protecting me all the time. Yes, and he's really changing you, honey. I'll say. At Christmas, when I was reading the Bible to Kristen, she started to cry. And she admitted that she used to be afraid of me. But not anymore, because she can see God changing me. You used to have a bad temper. Yeah, but Jesus set me free. Thank you, Lord. People ask me how I learned to trust Bill after all he had done. One day in my prayer time, God spoke to my heart and confirmed that my trust must be in Him, not in Bill. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. That's all I've needed. Bill has continued to grow in the Lord and be transformed before my eyes. 
I lead a recovery ministry now, and one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 to 27, where God says, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You can have a new heart too, listening friend, and God's Holy Spirit to guide you each day. All you have to do is ask Jesus to save you and come into your heart and life, no matter where you are or what you've done. If you need help in making this crucial decision, get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607 or call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312 312- Two eight one one two six four. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast, and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, folks, the winner of the sweepstakes for the beautiful scripture plaque will be announced on our social media and right here on this podcast next week. So keep an eye out because the following sweepstakes drawing will begin immediately after that. This will be your next opportunity to enter and potentially win one of these beautiful reminders of God's Word. And next time... Come here, Bessie. What do you mean, dancing with that jerk again? Are you the dance monitor? Come on outside where we can talk. No way. Bessie, please. Get away from me before I really slap you down. Bessie Tolberg's beauty bound her to self-centeredness. Bessie, see that guy coming in the door? Who is he? He's the one I've been telling you about. Want to meet him? Sure. She grew up craving and receiving attention, feeding her ego, starving her soul. You're going to the mission with me tonight, aren't you? No, Mother, I have a date. I always look forward to hearing you sing at the mission. Don't have time. And that selfishness would get worse. I feel like getting drunk, falling down drunk. She had to lose her love of self to find the one who loved her most. If you're tired of a meaningless life, come to the cross where the Savior died for you. It's the true testimony of Bessie Tolberg, coming soon from the classic files of Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Bill Reeser were Kurt Nabig, Angela Morris, Brian Kitley, Demetrius Troy, Mark Forrest, and David Brian Stewart. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. 
Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kenitha Gabler. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>